So in this week's parsha, Kisovo, when it talks about bringing the Bikurim from your harvest, we're told in Devorim 26, 11, uh, you make this declarative statement. Arami Ovedovi, my father, grandfather was a wandering Aramean and God took us out of Egypt. You make this whole ritual. He brought us to this land, Eretz Yisrael. And then you make the declaration. I now, behold, bring the first fruit of the ground, which you gave me, and you shall wave it or lay it and prostrate yourself before God. Nice. Now the pasuk of interest. You shall rejoice with all the goodness that Hashem your God has given you and your household. And that's the end of the pericope. And then it goes on to This is the parsha of Bikurim. Let's focus on that last sentence. What does that mean? You shall rejoice with all the goodness that God has given you. Hatov, bechol hatov. Rashi uh, learns a halacha from it. Mikan mikro bikurim, elo bizman hasimcha. Vesomachta bechol hatov. The tov shall be only a, a, a rejoicing at a specific time, me'atzeres adchag, in the time of rejoicing. And the time of the rejoicing is, she'adam melaket vuoso peiroso v'yeno v'shamna, a man is in the process of gathering his produce, his fruit, his wine, and his oils. That's when you make this declarative statement, korin mikra bikurim. But after the season of gathering, you can still bring it. You bring it, but you don't recite the magic formula of the Bikurim. So Rashi is saying, means that you shall rejoice it at the Tov time. The Tov time is when you have this auspicious time when you are actually in the process of gleaning and, and harvesting, there you feel the tov, or there you rejoice because you're in the act of it. Very nice. Hatov, of course, is a technical term in Midrash and Kabbalah. We can't just leave it at that. And Torah Shabalpeh and the interpreters of the written law can't just leave it at that. There's nothing redundant about it. The pshat is very, very rational. Um, you're coming to Jerusalem to bring the Bikurim, and, uh, and, and you have to recite this wonderful statement of history. You know, I started out as a wandering Aramean, came to Egypt, God took me out, brought me to the land, no mention of Har Sinai, by the way. We're in the Deuteronomist. <laughs> and, uh, and now I'm coming to Jerusalem with my first fruit. And, uh, and, and now I'm, you know, 
I'm, I'm making this declarative statement. What do I need to now dive into the atomization of a Samachta Bechol HaTov? So I'm going to start with uh, the Daigal. That's the grandson of the Baal Shem HaKadosh, because he summarizes it very nicely, and then we'll go back in time. Ein Tov El Torah. That we know from a Gemara in Brachas and Gemara in Chagiga. When, you, when, the, when the Torah mentions Tov, there is no goodness. It means Torah. Okay, very nice. Now let's build up his word associations. Now he goes from Tov, Torah, and now he's going to go to the word Tov. Ve'isa, we also learned, Gemara Chagiga 12, Vayar Elohim et ha'or kitov. Now he's taking us back to the beginning of Genesis, to the very first act of creation, because in Midrashic and Hasidic techniques, if you want to understand a word, you go back to the very first time the word is mentioned in the Bible. The very first time that the word Tov is mentioned in the Bible is Genesis 4. And God saw the light. He had, he had created light. And now he saw the light and he saw it was good. Well, if we have to go back there, then he says, well, I want you to look at the Orachaim. It's interesting. The Orachaim lived in Morocco, Chaim ben Atar. And the Baal Shem HaKadosh lived in Podolia, but they were aware of the Orachaim. They were aware of his works. There was a deep connection in Hasidic legend about the Baal Shem Tov and the Orachaim, that had they met, they would have brought the Geula. So they felt very, they felt, thought very highly of, of the Orachaim HaKadosh. So the Orachaim says in Bracious, Vayar Elohim Vayar Adonai Etor Kitov. So he says that this isn't a statement of physics. Remember, we're talking about Big Bang. We're talking about the creation of the universe. Where does Tov come into it? Tov only comes in when Adam is placed in the Garden of Eden and is made given the choice between the Eitz Hadas Tov Vara. So what are you telling me now that this? incredible force of light in the universe that separates us from the black hole and and there's this amazing force of energy if we want to use modern cosmology or ketov that it was tov that's number one number two rashi tells us already then uh, that that tov really is something that was prescient it wasn't something that was just there. Rashi says that, and quoting this Gemara and Chagiga, that that light wasn't the light that we have today. The light we have today was created from the sun in the fourth day of creation. So what happened to that original light in the first day of creation? So it said that it was Ganus. It was buried. It was hidden. It was buried. The Orachayim says that the light itself was good. He's making this very radical statement that that original light, when created, wasn't just to serve function. It wasn't just to serve the physics of light, but it was in itself good. If it was good, why was it hidden? And so the Gemara says, because, and Rashi quotes the Gemara, that 
God saw that the light wasn't yet ready for mankind, that mankind, once it would participate of the tree of good and evil, good and evil would then be mixed together. And that light, that pristine light, could not be used because the Rasha'im would use it, and then the whole world would be irbuvia. He uses that wonderful expression, a compot, a cholent. It'll be a mixture of good and evil, and the two will never be able to be separated. So he hid it. Or Haganuz, then, is the light, Gnazu Litzadikin. That's what Rashi's quoting from the Gemara Chagiga. Very nice. What's the Daigle done now? He's taken the word Tov, Ein Tov Ela Torah. That's a Gemara in Brachas. Now he's taken another Tov, Vayar Elakim Es Ki Tov, and says that Tov is the Or Haganuz, the hidden light that came originally from the primordial creation. That is the real Tov. There's only one real Tov. It's primordial and it's hidden. Nice. Tr- until this point, we're Midrashic. Now we go Hasidish. And my grandfather, the Daigle, grew up on the lap of his grandfather. His mother was Udal. His brothers were Fager, Reb Nachman's mother, and Reb Boruch of Mezhibush. And himself, these are the three children of Udal, who is the daughter of the Baal Shem. And my grandfather, Zichron of the said, Shegnazo, where did he hide it? Okay, you telling me Rashi says that he hid it for the tzaddikim lasid lovo, for the tzaddikim who will find that light. No, I'll tell you where it's buried. But Torah, it's buried in the Torah. So what we have now is a full circle. Ein tov el Torah. If you want to know what tov is, the, the, the Gemara and Bracha says, tov is Torah, Midrash. And tov that goes back to the original light, which is Ganuz and hidden. And it's hidden for the Tzadikim. And now comes the Baal Shem HaKodesh and says, where do I have access? Where does the Tzadik go to dig deep to find that hidden gold, that hidden light? Oh, Adon of Izakani says it's in Torah. So it's in Torah. Okay, so how do I access the Torah? Now we go back to our proof text, our posuk. You just brought the fr- fruit of the land, and now he's going to read those words. It should have said, maybe, You should enjoy all the tuv, all the goodness and bounty that God gave you in this wonderful harvest. You know, I work in the boondocks of Indiana <laughs> and my, some of my patients can't afford their copays or even their pays. And so they'll bring me corn and cucumbers and leeks and uh, pickles, pickles, the stuff they pickled. And they'll bring me tomatoes and they'll be totally organic. They're from their farms, you know. And when I eat those tomatoes, I'm telling you, I can feel the goodness of the land, not the processed food that we're fed that looks like shiny tomatoes, but real tomatoes. That's the tuv, the tuv of the land. What's hatov? Hatov is the definitive article. It means that there is some goodness out there, a platonic ideal of good. 
Hot Tov, right? And the Daigle said, yeah, if we're going to read that hyper-literally, it's not that you're just v'somachto b'chol tuv, it's b'chol hatov. We're taking that out of the context of Bikurim, and we're going to say, this is a spiritual roadmap for the individual. How can you participate in the tuv, which is the Torah, which is the original light that created the whole world that was good? And that's through Ha-Tov. And now he atomizes in true Kabbalistic way. Ha-Tov can be fragmented into a notarikon of Hey and Tov. The Tov, yes, we understand that. We have that in our goodness. What's Hey Tov? How does Hatov relate to the Torah? Rotsaloma Shetiske Lechamisha Oros. The original light was fragmented into five separate fragments that were then diffused into the five Hamishe Chumshe Torah. Shehaor Nignaz Bohem. Each book of the Torah then has a unique separate, individual, or Haganus, light, primordial light, that was buried into each of those. Hainu. So now here is the claim, Baal Shem Tov claim, Shetizke Letoras Emes. Whoa! Fasten your seatbelts, ladies and gentlemen. You thought when I said, hey, Torah, it just meant the Chamishechum Shei Torah. So all I have to do is fulfill the Torah to access the light. Oh, no, 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 not so fast. Hainu, Shetizke, you will merit. We don't know how. We don't know who. We don't know the technique. We have to wait for that. But you will be meriting the Torah's MS. Torah's MS from the Ramban all the way down is the secrets of Torah. There's Torah, that's the surface Torah, right? Torah's Moshe MS, the Torah's MS, that's the surface. But then there is a deeper layer of Torah, which is called Torah's MS. That's the secrets of Torah. Chochmas MS is the secrets of Kabbalah. MS there means a deeper level. MS la amito, truth to its innermost, the innermost truth. And sometimes the innermost truth looks like the opposite of the surface truth, right? The hamaskil yovin, meaning the maskil who understands with his head, understands that we cannot be talking about the surface Torah. That cannot be buried. The light of a primordial light cannot be buried in merely the surface Torah. It's Torah's MS. And now he comes back to opening it up. The He's going to now completely reread it. The originally meant you shall rejoice in all the goodness of the harvest. No, no, no. Listen to what he says. The is an attitude of mind and soul and heart. Simcha, joy. The somachta. Ki kol simchosecha. He's going to now throw it back on you. You're the tzaddik that the light has been hidden from the day of creation for you to discover because it's buried. It's not for everybody. It's for you. 
How do I access that Taurus MS? How do I access that Simcha? Ki kol simchoscha lo Torah. What's he saying? He's saying that I have this faculty of joy. It's one of my faculties. It's one of the ways I experience the world. I have joy. I have sadness. I have anger. There are seven emotions corresponding to the seven lower sefiros, chagat, the seven lower emotional sefiros, or in modern psychological terms. And so I can be triggered into happiness, sadness, joy, love, hate, all these emotions. What the Daigle is saying is that if you want to access the light that is hidden, buried deep down in Torah, to access Torah's MS, how do I access it in the Torah's MS, in the hidden Torah? Call Simchasacha all that you experience in this world as joy has to be reified lo Torah. What a radical statement. What a statement that is so demanding. It means that I have to somehow shut out all extraneous senses, stimuli of joy in my life, in order for me to experience single-handedly the depths of joy that are plumbed in the Torah to access the Torah's MS. It's an absolutely stunning demand that we're made. He's taking the Baal Shem Torah of a Yid has to enjoy, and so a Chosid takes an Exelachayim, and we have to avoid the Bagashmias, according to Chabad, we have to serve God in the Gashmias. He has taken it one step further, almost like a Buddhist retreat, in which in order to access the joy within you, you have to shut out all the joy out there, which is a mere distraction. It's a surface joy. Stunning. And not only that, he brings the Orachaim. Kamoshe Kosov Orachaim. And the Orachaim, not in the beginning of Bracious, but the Orachaim says in this week's Sedra on the Somachto Bacholatov. Pirush, the Orachaim, if we go straight to him, because he doesn't tell us in the Daigle, he assumes we know it. Dovo hakolel kol hatov. He says, hatov is not just hey, the five books of Moses. It's the definitive article of tov. It is the archetype of tov. It is the platonic ideal of good. The good, like the Plato's Republic when he talks about the good. Here, the Orachim is saying that it has to mean the Salmachta, you should rejoice, Bechol HaTov, meaning you have to access the archetype of Tov. Otherwise, it would have said Bechol Tov. But because he's saying Bechol HaTov, he means Bechol HaTov, Shehu Mekor HaTov, that is the source of Tov. The Ein Tov El Torah, quoting the Gemara in Brachas, and now the Orachaim says something very emotional. She'im ha'yu b'nei Adam. For if only man 
Margishin would feel the Mesikus the Arivus Tuv HaTorah, the sweetness and the pleasure of the Tuv HaTorah, the Tuv of the Torah, meaning the archetype of Tuv which is encoded in the Torah. Lo you would go sugar. You would become drunk and drawn obsessively after it. And the world of gold and silver would be like nothing to you. It would be pale in comparison to the pleasure that you would receive from the Tuv HaTorah. Ki HaTorah koleles kol HaTovos Sheba Olam. So Torah now for the Orachaim represents this hypostatic organism of feeling, Margishim. It's something that you feel inside you because it contains archetypally kol HaTovos Sheba Olam. Kol HaTovos Sheba Olam. What a statement for the Orachaim to make. And the Daigal, having quoted his father, now brings the Orachaim together with his grandfather and said, They would have an extra body experience. They would, they would go crazy. They would, they would go out of their das. And he goes, Now, Contemplate what I just told you so deeply. It's a dazzling Torah about Or Haganuz. And this Or Haganuz, which is reserved for the Tzadikim La'osid Lovo, the Baal Shem Tov claims that it is accessible to us. It's accessible to the individual who is willing to go through the spiritual path of shutting out other pleasure. You would have thought that this was a Musa Sefer. It's not. We're talking about first-generation Hasidus that are saying that our lives are lives of distraction and that we have to somehow stop the noise from the outside. We have to somehow exclude even sensory pleasures in order to access the Or Haganus, to access the pleasure of Torah, and also to access Torah's MS, which is the depths of pleasure. Now, his nephew, Reb Nachman, Rabbeinu HaKadosh, well, my Rabbeinu, <laughs> he doesn't allow you off the hook like that. You know, you walk away and you go, I'm going to do that. I'm going to, you know, he's going to tell you the dark side of that. And in Lakute Mehran Torah 15, I don't usually quote the Rebbe because he is so bekitsur and requires so much unpacking. And to read the Mephorshim, Latter-day Breslovers, I feel they, they don't dumb him down, but they art-scrollify him into some kind of Musa. And they don't realize the paradoxical nature of Rabbeinu. But here is an example, and I want to share it with you. Rabbeinu says, Somebody who wants to taste the taste of the or haganus, the light that is hidden. Hainu sodos ha Torah, 
the secrets of Torah, right? The, his uncle, the Daeglet, said, Torah Semes. He says it straight out. Soydus of Torah, the secrets of Torah, that will unfortunately have to remain, as Rashi says, quoting Chagiga, Laosid Lovod, the Or Haganus was hidden for the future. We thought we were just talking about pleasure. And we came away with, okay, I just have to focus down on my pleasure. Rav Nachman says, you don't even get to that. That's step three. You got to go through step one and two first. You have to do a first, a moral inventory. What? How do I... How do I... How, how how do I deal with this Yira? And Yira for Reb Nachman is, according to the Zoya, two types of Yira. We've talked about this before. Yira Tatar, which is all the Roshe Tevos of the IRS, the FDA, the DEA, the wife, the mother-in-law, all the Pachodim that a person lives with, right? And then there's Yira Ila. How do I elevate from this lower level of Yira to the upper? It's through the Bechina that we could spend an hour talking about what Rav Nachman means by the word of Bechina, but let's use the word association. Word association, idea association, Midrashic illusion, through the Bechina of Mishpat. What does that mean? For as long as a person doesn't engage in an examined life, an examined life, meaning to look in the mirror deeply. So as long as you just go through your Torah and mitzvahs, being counting and just thinking you're off the hook, then they then they judge you from above. That's why we have El, self-examination. And if you are able to dan v'shofet atzmo, to be able to do a searching moral self-critique of one's own character, Shoresh Hayira Huadas, the Shoresh of this Yira that you will come to is Das. It's an experiential feeling that is a Das, a sense of experience. So he then says that that access to the sodas of Torah has to require the sense of experience of Torah. And so bringing together the uncle and the nephew is a very hard choice or a hard resolution. And I think it takes a dual track. I think that you cannot come to the sensation in your own spiritual life that all other sensory surface experiences have to be put aside if you want to access the deep sense of pleasure that comes from the Torah HaKdosha, the Torah's MS, I think is the flip side of Rabbi Nachman, who is telling us the pathway to get to that. The pathway to get to that sense is first to realize that I've spent my life with that sensory experience, with the sensory experience of pleasure and pain. 
And I'm not going to get to that pleasure sense of distrust until I first understand how I've been driven by all my fears. And by doing a fearless self-critique, a fearless look in the mirror for my own character defects, I come to an experience, a sense of das, of liberation from that. Because I realize that life is short and our purpose in life in this short life, to understand the gift we've been given of this revelation, this deep sense of the spiritual self, that in order to plumb that sense of true joy, one has to do both steps, the self-critique and then the exclusion of sensory perceptions to access the deepest, deepest pleasure that comes with learning the Sisrei Torah, the secrets of Torah. Have a wonderful week.